I want you guys to turn with me. Um, I'm actually, I mean, it could fit into our summer series, but um, it probably more aptly fits with our um, following Jesus in today's world. Uh, but either way, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're actually going to be examining two passages of scripture. Matthew chapter 7. And when you have that, we're also going to look at Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 14. Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 1, and then we will also look at Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 14. It's okay if we read some scripture this morning, right? Amen. How many of you know the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit? The word of God is our anchor. We need the word of God in these times because the word of God will stabilize your mind. The word of God will teach you how to live. The word of God will help you to be a better husband, a better wife, a better teacher, a better administrator, a better employee. The word of God is our source and we need more of it. Matthew chapter seven, I'm reading from the new King James version. If you want to follow along with me, And if you're in your paper Bible or even the Bible app, the words are read, meaning this is Jesus speaking. So let us read. Judge not. Mm. Judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck? In your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Now keep in mind, he said brother. Because as believers, we're called to judge those who are inside, but God judges those who are outside. Just food for thought. Verse 5, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Now let's go over to Mark chapter 6 verse 14. Just to give you a little bit of context before I read this, Jesus, his fame was beginning to spread and Herod thought that it was John the Baptist risen from the grave, but he was sadly mistaken as we will see in this passage of scripture. Listen, verse 14. Now King Herod heard of him, him being Jesus, for his name had become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. Others said, it is Elijah, and others said, it is the prophet or like one of the prophets. But when Herod heard, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead, for Herod himself had sent 
and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Amen. Therefore, Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then, somebody say then. Then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers, and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter, Salome, I know her name is not mentioned here, but that's her name, Salome, herself came in and danced. This was no ordinary dance. This was a provocative dance. I know the youth have been dismissed and the kids are in kids' ministry, so hopefully I can be transparent and open, but this was a seductive dance. And pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, Herodias, what shall I ask? And she said, the head. Of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want to, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. Yet, somebody say yet. He was sorrowful, but it didn't lead to repentance. He was sorrowful, but it didn't change the trajectory of what he was about to do. So there was hope on the horizon, but there wasn't a fulfillment of what God was wanting to do in his life because he wouldn't obey God, but yet he feared man instead. Watch this. And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, He did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb. I want to speak to you guys for a few moments from the subject matter, right judgment, right judgment. There is a bad type of judgment, but there is also a right type of judgment. And quite frankly, it is becoming increasingly difficult to make right judgments without offending somebody. It's becoming difficult to stand up for your godly beliefs at the expense of potentially losing your job. But the question that I have for you is, who is your source? Who is your God? Who is your king? If God be for you, who can? Come on. 
Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. I feel your Holy Spirit in this place. I pray that you would minister to every single person in this room and everyone watching us online. Father, I pray that you would use me as your servant and that you would create a boldness and a tenacity within your people to stand up for what they believe in and to see you do mighty works in their sphere of influence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. As we open up this text... And I'm finding out that this is becoming more and more prevalent, especially in our public school systems. But I was talking to a parent the other day, just the other day, and they told me that when their daughter went into the classroom, that the teacher had a box of stickers, circular stickers. And she asked the children to write on the sticker what you identify as and put it on your shirt. Whether you identify as a she, a he, there was another word in Spanish, I don't speak Spanish, I'm not going to attempt, but what you identify with. And the mother said to me, which makes sense, where, like, how have we come to a place where you can't just be identified by your name? Why do we have to have certain pronouns? Can I just encourage everyone here in this room, all of our teachers and administrators, and can we give it up for all of our teachers, administrators, principals? You guys are in a war zone. You guys are in the trenches right now, and there is a lot that is being thrown at you, even those that are watching us online. But can I just say something really quick? I've been working with young people, or had been before I stepped into the role of being the campus pastor in Wilkett. I was working with young people for close to 15 years. And I work with young people from all different walks of life, different backgrounds, different settings. I work with young people when I was in Texas. I work with young people since I've been here in Connecticut. And can I challenge all of the parents here in this room? It is your responsibility to train up your child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. It is our responsibility as fathers in this room, and this is why I encourage the fathers. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, for fathers to, to, to not provoke your children to wrath, but to raise them up in the admonition and the fear of the Lord. It is our responsibility to give our children direction and to help them understand their identity and who they are in Christ. After ministering with young people, there was already enough temptation that they already face on a daily basis. It's already enough for them to have to overcome generational curses, have to overcome peer pressure on social media to compare to this person and to line up with this person. And then on top of that, to not know who you are, whether you are a male or a female, I'm tired of it. And the reason why I'm tired of it is because my heart goes out to these young people that need direction. They need to know who they are, that you are the head and not the tail, that you are above and not below, that God crafted you when you were in your mother's womb and your life is not an accident. He knows the hairs that are on your head. He knows you're lying down and you're getting up and he's well acquainted with all of your griefs, all of your struggles. Young person, he knows you. And this is something that young people have to hear on a daily basis. So administrators, I understand that you are up against a difficult task. 
And the, and God calls us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I get it. There are certain things that you can do and that you can't do. But hear me out on this. The Bible says that if any man or woman lacks wisdom, let them ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, but let them ask in faith. It's quite possible that as you uh, commune with these kids, that you will have an opportunity to witness to them. That you will have an opportunity to allow your light to so shine before them that they will see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. There is a responsibility and God is going to use you everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. God has granted it to you through the Holy Spirit. You got to be prayed up. Amen. We got to stay in the word. We got to keep coming to church to get filled up. For those of you that are watching online, let me just give this quick plug. It, like I know some of you may have to because of sicknesses or illnesses, or maybe you're in the hospital, but if none of those apply to you, you need to be here in the house of God. There is a fellowship that is needed and a camaraderie that's needed. You need to be here in the house of God. Amen. But as we open up this text, We have to understand that there is a right type of judgment and there is a wrong type of judgment. Let me just list some of the wrong type of judgments that we have to be careful about. And judgment is something that we have to engage in on a daily basis. We have to be discerning enough to decide when to share the gospel with somebody or not to share the gospel with somebody. So if we're taking judgment completely off the table, no one would ever come to know the Lord. Because at some point I have to judge, you know what? Does this person need to hear Jesus? And can I say this? Everyone needs to hear Jesus. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. Everyone needs to know the hope and the good news that is found and what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. But there are certain judgments that have to be made. Not a judgment to indict somebody but a judgment to help somebody. Are you with me? Because the Bible says, how shall they hear unless you minister? And how shall you minister unless you were sent? Romans chapter 10. The Bible says that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But if I never muster up the courage to be able to share somebody what their plight is before God outside of a relationship with Christ, they'll never come to a saving relationship in him. Are you with me? But there is a right type of judgment and there's a wrong type of judgment. The first judgment that I want to talk about is a superficial type of judgment. Superficial type of judgment is wrong. A superficial type of judgment is a person that does not gather the facts first. But they judge a situation solely based on appearance. And the truth of the matter is, whether it's in a marriage whether it's a parent-to-child relationship, whether it's a teacher to a student, there is judgments that can sometimes be wrong and it's based solely on the person's appearance. Are you guys with me? Even Proverbs, even Proverbs chapter 18 verse 13 says, a man who decides or settles a case without first hearing all of the facts, it is folly to him. We must gather all of the evidence so that we can make a concrete decision. You guys remember the woman who came into Simon's house. He was a Pharisee and he had Jesus over. And there was a woman who had already been forgiven. 
She had already been set free and she was coming to offer her thanks unto God. And remember, she broke open a box and she began to wash Jesus's feet with her tears. Her tears were pouring and, and she cleaned them with her hair. And remember, there was a Pharisee who was judging her and was casting judgment upon her because the reason why she was doing this was unknown to him. And he didn't realize that this woman had already been forgiven. And Jesus posed a parable to, uh, to Simon and he said something. Let me pose a parable to you. Let's say that there was a certain creditor and there were some people that owe this creditor money. And let's say that one had a large debt and then another person had a smaller debt. If he forgave both of their debts... Which one of them would love him more or which one of them would be thankful more? It would be the one that was forgiven much, correct? But he went on to say, when you recognize how much you've been forgiven of, you will love much. When you realize your own plight, when you realize what Jesus saved you from, it will create within you a thanksgiving and also a heart of gratitude that will look not at other people and what they're doing, but what God has brought you out of. Are you with me? God has not called us to be out finding fault in people's lives. Let me say that again. God has not called us to be the fault police. He's not called us to go on social media to look at people's lives in their marriages to cast judgment. But every now and then, somebody is going to come through your sphere of influence and God may use you to speak truth into their life even though they perceive it as judgment. Are you with me? We have to be careful. We have to be careful. The second type of judgment that is wrong is hypocritical Judgment, hypocritical judgment. It's interesting as you look at Matthew chapter 7, we just read a few verses, but if you keep reading down a little lower later on in the chapter, it says where Jesus, he says that we have to be discerning when it comes to pointing out false prophets. That there are people that come in with sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Well, how are we able to determine that without exercising some type of judgment or some type of discernment? But hypocritical judgment is wrong. When we point out the sins of others, while we ourselves commit the same sin, we condemn ourselves, Romans 2.1 tells us. That's why Jesus said... Don't go to somebody and try to pull out the speck in their eye when you have a plank in your own eye. But later on in the passage, what does he say? First, take out the plank in your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Are you with me? You know, there's a scripture, another one that comes to my mind in Galatians chapter six. The apostle Paul speaking to that church, he says, Let's say that you come across somebody who was overtaken in some sort of sin or trespass. He says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, in a spirit of gentleness. Let me say that again, in a spirit of gentleness. But listen to what he says, but consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. One of the mistakes that we make and I saw this a lot with young people, especially those who gave their life to Christ recently, is there is this heart desire 
to win people to the Lord. And that's a great desire to have. But there are certain addictions and there are certain strongholds that can be prevalent in somebody's life that you may not be called to minister to just yet because you're still struggling in that area. It can be hard to minister to somebody who was an alcoholic if you were still wrestling in the area of alcohol. It can be very difficult to minister to somebody in their marriage if your marriage is on the verge of divorce. And let me say this, there is no marriage that is perfect. All of us have things that we walk through, including Judy and I. In fact, the Bible says there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end is the way of death. God has always spoken to me and said, Brandon, don't you ever get to a place where you think you have anything figured out. Always be in a state of learning, always have a posture of humility, and always be willing to glean from those who have more wisdom and insight than you. Are you with me? But you have to be careful because the very thing that you are trying To rid that person of could be the very thing that the enemy uses to draw you back into something that you were just delivered from. You have to be careful and you have to know your limitations. And also, can I say this? With any sort of correction or with any sort of meaningful conversation that needs to be had with somebody, it is a good idea to always rely and lean on the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit has not given you a peace, if the Holy Spirit has not given you a directive to do this, then you wait and you abstain from doing anything until he gives you direction. That's the blessing that we have as born again under this new dispensation of grace, people of God. We have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. The same spirit that drew you. When you gave your life to Christ, the same person that was nudging you and calling you to come into this fellowship with God is the same Holy Spirit that ministers to you on a daily basis. But the question is, are you listening? The question is, have you become accustomed to his voice by reading God's word? See, when there is a disconnect from God's word, we cease to understand God's voice because his word and the Holy Spirit will never contradict each other. Are you with me? Hypocritical judgment is wrong. The next type of judgment that's wrong is a self-righteous type of judgment. Is a self-righteous type of judgment. You know what I've discovered over the years and being a Christian, you know how you have certain seasons where it may seem like things are going good in your life personally as a believer? Maybe your conscience is not bothered by things that you've not done or, or things that you've done that are, that are contrary to the, to the Lord. Uh, maybe your conscience is not bothered. Maybe you feel like, man, everything is going so well, like blessings are flowing, doors are opening. This is the opportune time where the enemy can come in and cause your heart to be very critical of other people. When things are going well and you start to lose sight of your own frailties or you start to lose sight of where the Lord brought you from and not to say that the blessing of the Lord is bad because the word of God says the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he adds no sorrow to it. So the blessing of the Lord is good, but I have found when the blessing is coming into your life, it's very tempting to be overly critical of other people 
and to start looking at faults. And this is where a self-righteous attitude can sometimes pop into the picture. Are you with me? The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And one of the ways that you can humble yourself is not trusting yourself. Let me say that again. One of the ways that you can humble yourself is not trusting yourself. What do I mean by not trusting yourself? When you get up every day, when we get up, because I'm putting myself in this equation, and we make a decision not to spend time in the word of God, we are in essence telling God, I have all that I need to make it through every temptation in this day. I don't need you, God. But when we make it a point to get into God's word, we are posturing our heart to say, God, your word says that every single day there is new manna. There is new bread for me to receive. And I'm coming to your word and I'm spending time with you in the first part of my day because I don't trust my own devices to get me through the temptations that I may face today. Are you with me? Let me tell you all something. It could be an argument with your spouse. It could be something like a fight breaking out in the classroom. It could be a myriad of different things that you will encounter within that day. You need to be renewed in your mind to approach those situations with a godly attitude. I'm a better man when I'm in the word of God to my wife. I can be very selfish. I can be very into myself. I could be very distant. I could also uh, not always echo the words that I need to say when I'm not spending time in God's word. But when I am in his word, it's amazing how love begins to flow out of your life. Man, let me send her a text. Man, let me tell her she looks beautiful. Let me speak words of life over my kids. You know, and how this happens is it's a rhythm. It's a rhythm that you begin to develop in the spirit. It's a rhythm that you begin to develop when you get in the word of God. What you are receiving, what you, what's, what's coming in is flowing out of you and everyone can see it. This is how the fruit of the spirit begins to be displayed in your life because you're communing with God. Are you with me? You know, um, a couple of, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before we went to a event called City Fest in Bridgeport. And um, there were some artists there. One of my favorite Christian rappers, Lecrae, was there. And uh, this, this uh, Blanca. And then there was this other artist. Uh, this guy, uh, his name was Enzo. And um, the name of his worship band was called Impact. Oddly enough, that's the name of our youth ministry. And when he started singing, and here goes that critical spirit again. <laughs> when he opened his mouth, like my wife and I kind of looked at each other like, mm. But then as he started singing, and as the worship began to come forth, And Pastor Chris was there too. Man, it was powerful. God began to move outside amongst thousands of people. And he started singing a lot of these songs that I remember when I first got saved. And it just ministered to me in that moment. And I could feel the presence of God. And it was almost like God was taking me back to my first love. And he was renewing that fire and that passion and that desire. We need those moments sometimes. Come on, somebody. We need those moments. Even as your pastor, I mean, as a pastor here, can I be honest with you? There are times, even as pastors, things can become a little stale. And sometimes you need that jolt. Like you need that encouragement to continue on and to remember why you're doing what you're doing. Because here is the truth. 
Sometimes you can get so busy doing the work of the ministry that you can easily neglect the God of the ministry. I can get so busy helping and ministering and doing meaningful things, but it is equally important that I get alone with God, that I spend time with him, that I commune with him, that I worship with him, that we have a time of fellowship with each other. It is equally important. And on top of that, I spend time with my family. Because if I'm not there for my own kids, I'm perpetuating a cycle that I'm seeking to destroy, which is fatherlessness. How many of you know we need fathers today? Fathers bring forth that direction. This is who you are. This is who God has called you to be. But let me say this. Growing up without a godly father in my life, the book of Psalms says, when your mother and father forsake you, the Lord will raise you up. He will take you in. And there are some powerful, strong, vibrant, single mothers that are operating in both roles. And God has given you an anointing to be able to do that. So don't you at all think less than of yourself. If you are operating in dual roles, God will give you the capacity to do it through his Holy Spirit. And you're doing a great job. But most of you might remember, Jesus, he told a story. There were two people that went on the mountain to pray. There was a tax collector and there was a Pharisee that went up to pray and they were seeking to be forgiven. And the tax collector um, wouldn't even look up to God. He was beating his chest and asking God to have mercy. He assumed a position that was very humble. But then you had this Pharisee who went up on this mountain and he said, I fast twice a day. I pray, I do this, I do that. He went down this list of things that he does for the Lord. And he said, I'm not like this tax collector here. And the Bible says that the tax collector went away justified because his heart was broken. Friends, can I encourage you with this and those of you watching online? One thing that God will never despise is a broken and contrite heart. I know this to be true. God will never despise a broken and contrite heart. God is not surprised by your behavior. He is not surprised by the things that you're looking at or the people that you are with or the conversations that you're engaging in. First of all, nothing is hidden from God. We can all agree on that, right? He is all-knowing. He is all-knowing. He sees everything He knows where everything is happening, but guess what? Even though he knows that, he still decided to die for you on the cross. While we were yet still sinners, Romans 5, 8, he decided to die for us. But when we come to him with a humble attitude, and when he convicts us of something, and we should be thankful for the conviction of God, and we come to him and we ask for forgiveness and our heart is broken, he is a faithful father that will forgive us. The Bible says a just man may fall seven times, but he rises back up again. A just man may fall seven times, but he rises back up again. Why is he called just? Because he knows who is the one who is just, and it's Jesus. And he surrendered his life to him. Self-righteous judgment. The last judgment that's wrong is untrue judgment. Slander. Talking about things that are not true. 
You may say, you know what? I never engage in this type of judgment. But if you don't take into account the first type of judgment, the superficial type of judgment, you could engage in untrue judgment. Because when you don't gather all of the facts, you could be spreading things about people that are not true. And you could enter into slander. Did you know that gossip is a sin? I know we like to point out all of these other sins that people commit in our world, but it is equally offensive to God when you talk about somebody behind their back, but you won't tell it to their face. Ooh, it's quiet up in here. But the Bible says in Matthew eighteen fifteen, if somebody has sinned against you or they've done something to you that is hurtful, what, is he, what, what does Jesus command us to do? He says the first step is that you should go one to another and tell them their fault. Not to this person, not to that person. Call such and such on the phone. Go over the whole situation. He says that you should go to that person and tell them their fault. Now, granted, you may need some counsel in how to do that. There's a call right there. All right. <laughs> But you need to go to them. Number one, you should go to them and tell them their fault. The second step, he says, if they won't hear you and they're unwilling to repent, the second step, he says, you should take with you two or three people so that at the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. If they still won't hear you and they are unwilling to repent, you need to bring it to the church. And allow the church leadership to help you decide the matter, decide the case. If they still are unrepentant, unwilling to change, Jesus says to liken them to a heathen, to a tax collector, let them go. In some versions, excommunicate them from the church. Not with the intent to harm them, but when they come out from under the covering of God's house, hopefully they will realize the error of their ways and they will be willing to come back into the fellowship. And when they do, we are supposed to welcome them with open arms as if nothing happened. Are you with me? Did you know, people of God, that you will judge the earth as believers? Did you know that in the millennial reign, when we reign with Christ here on this earth, that we will judge the earth. I know this because the apostle said in first Corinthians chapter six, he told that church, he said, why is it that you guys can't decide these matters among yourselves, but you have to go to secular courts to decide these matters. But as believers, you can't allow yourself to suffer wrong for the sake of the kingdom of God. But yet you're going to judge Judy and all these other judges. Come on. He says, do you not know that you will judge the earth and you can't judge these trivial matters amongst yourselves? He spoke that to their shame because this is what it does. It makes us look like a mockery when we can't handle our conflicts, when we can't handle the things that hurt us or the disagreements that we have. But friends, as I bring this in for a landing, I spoke about the four judgments, superficial judgment, hypocritical judgment, self-righteous judgment, and untrue judgment. But there is a right type of judgment. A right type of judgment is based on the word of God. And I want to give you an example. 
track with me here because I want to show you something. And this came as I was studying. It was a revelation that I feel the Lord dropped in my spirit. I never understood at the end of Matthew chapter 7, after he gives this discourse about not judging, taking out the plank in your own eye so that you can see clear to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Then he comes in at the end and he says, don't cast your pearls before swine or pigs, nor give what is holy to dogs. If you're like me, I've always wondered, what does this mean? Who was a pig? Who was a swine? Lord, could you give me an example of this? And thanks be to God, he showed me an example, and the example was Herod. Let me break this down for a second. The Herod that we read about is the son of the Herod that had all of the children executed in an attempt to take out Jesus. This isn't that same Herod, but this is the son of that Herod. Now, this Herod decided to divorce his wife, and Philip's wife decided to divorce him, which was Herodias, so that the two of them could be together. Talk about some Jerry Springer. Like, they decided to divorce one another or, or, or to divorce their spouses so that they could be with each other. And the Bible says that John spoke out against this. I don't know for sure how this conversation came about, but if you look at the text and you read in between the lines, I would venture to say at some point this was brought out and John called it what it was. He said, this is wrong. Because the Bible says that Herod regarded John as a holy man, that there was something different about him. So I can almost picture the two of them having a conversation about what needed to change in his life. And when somebody is flat out asking you, what does the Bible have to say? Don't beat around the bush. Tell them what the word of God has to say. And so he spoke and he said, this relationship that you were in, this is not of God. Oof, oof. How many times have we heard this and ignored it? Oh, but he has a six pack. <laughs> He's got a Camaro, but she's got all the curve. And we ignore it. But John said, this relationship that you're in is not of God. According to the scriptures, and I know I'm going to open up a can of worms and I don't have time to dissect this completely, but in the word of God, there are only two concessions for divorce. If you have an unbelieving spouse that departs from the marriage in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, or if the spouse commits adultery and they walk out of the covenant. Now, I understand even when I say this, and I feel like I do have to say this, if there are situations of abuse. Well, Pastor Brandon, are you saying that I should stay in a marriage where my husband or even my wife is being physically abusive to me? Absolutely not. You need to get out of the house, but that doesn't necessarily always mean that you get a divorce. That's something that has to be bathed through prayer and counseling. So he knew, John knew, that this relationship was not of the Lord and he spoke against it. But watch this. Herodias was angry. How dare you speak against this relationship? How dare you come and tell us what we're doing? Have you heard those words before in this culture that we're living in? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. 
But the Bible says, even though Herodias wanted to kill John, she couldn't. Because Herod was protecting him. He knew that there was something different. But look at how the enemy works. It would seem as if Herod was on the verge or he was on the cusp of giving his life to Christ. He regarded John as a holy man. It seemed like maybe he was starting to make some decisions and make some turns in his life. And then all of a sudden, he has his stepdaughter come and do a provocative dance in front of him. And he is enamored by what he is observing that he loses all sense of reality. Can I get a witness? See, when we engage in sexual sin, it permeates your whole being. You start to lose sight of God's plan and purpose. One of the things that I will never forget when I was at my previous church, my pastor, Pastor Mike Hayes, at that time said, you give me a man who understands his purpose, pornography has no hold on him. When he understands who he is and he understands what he has been called to, pornography doesn't have a hold on him anymore. But the Bible says that he was enamored and he literally told this girl, I will give you whatever you want. Come on, brother. What are you saying? I will give you whatever you want up to half the kingdom off of a dance. And the Bible says, she said, okay, let me go to my mother, Herodias. And lo and behold, Herodias is like, I want John's head on a platter. Now, lest we look at John and say to ourselves, man, this was a man of God who served the Lord. He had a ministry in preparing the way of the Lord. The Bible says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. So I don't believe that he died a hard death, even though his head was cut off. I believe he was already in the presence of God before that happened. Are you with me? Just like when Stephen was martyred in Acts chapter 7, the Bible says that he looked up as he was being stoned to death for his faith in Jesus, and he saw Jesus standing. God protects those who were his. Yes, we will face persecution and sometimes even death, but the Bible says, you don't take my life, I lay it down, and if I lay it down, I have the power to pick it up again. I'm not leaving this earth unless it is time for me to go. And God knows my purpose. But watch this. So Herod, he's faced with a dilemma. The Bible says he was sorrowful, Ralph. He was sorrowful, those of you watching online. And I could almost sense, like, if you can get a mental picture, man, he was wrestling with this. But then he looked over at his nobles, and then he remembered the oath that he made, and he went through with it. How sad. I do believe that he had a decision in that moment to still go the opposite direction, to not follow through. This was a man of God. This was a servant of the Lord. But he allowed the peer pressure of those in his audience to be his demise. And you guys know what happened. John died. But watch this. If you look... At this scripture, there's a scripture that's found in Luke chapter 23, verses 6 through 9. It says, when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, 
He sent him to Herod. This is the same Herod that killed John the Baptist or had him executed, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now, when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad for he had desired for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he, Jesus, answered him nothing. Jesus had already considered this man a dog or a swine. He had already had an opportunity to receive the Lord, but Jesus answered him not a word in accordance with what he said in Matthew 6. Don't cast your pearls before swine, nor give what is holy to dogs, lest they tear you in pieces and rip you apart. Is that not what happened to John? But Jesus answered not a word. Stand with me here in this place. The good news, friends, is this. Most of us know John 3.16, right? What does it say? For God so that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But do you know what it says after that? In verse 17, it says God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. But then he says, but he who does not believe And the son of God is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that love has come into the world, that light has come into the world. And because men love the darkness rather than the light, lest their deeds should be exposed. They didn't come. Guys, One of the greatest judgments that you can ever exercise is judging yourself. Judging yourself. What do I mean? A long time ago, not too long, I had to judge myself and understand that I'm not as good as I thought I was. For the longest time, I was one of those people, I believe I'm a good person. And my goodness was based on my comparison to other people. It was a superficial type of judgment. It wasn't based on facts. It was based on comparison. Well, I'm not as bad as him. I'm not as bad as her. But can I be honest with you? And I'm willing to be transparent with you. As I started to look at God's law, the Ten Commandments, I realized that I had fallen short. Because I used to ask God, Lord, why would you give us all of these commandments if you knew that none of us could keep them to perfection? Why would you do this? And God showed me because it was your tutor. It was your schoolmaster to lead you to me. It was to help you understand what sin was. As I started going down those commandments, have you dishonored your mother and father? Yes. Have you committed adultery? No, I had never done that. I wasn't married at the time. But Jesus says, if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Have you done that? Yes. Have you lied? Yes. All liars will have their part in the lake of fire. The book of Revelation says, have you stolen anything regardless of the value? Yes. I thought I was a good person. But man, was I coming to the truth. I'm not as good as I thought I was. 
And can I be honest with you? In that moment, I'm like, man, I don't have any hope. I have no hope, man. Like there's no way that I can keep this because even in James, even in James chapter two, verse 10, it says, if you offend the law in one point, you're guilty of the entire law. So I could keep three, four, but negate the rest of them. And I still could be guilty. Even if I offended just one because he's holy. But here's the good news. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. But I couldn't get to that place until I understood my own plight, until I judged myself and understood my own wretchedness. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You don't have to live in condemnation anymore. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've never accepted the Lord, what are you waiting on? He loves you. Well, God, well, Pastor Brandon, why is it that God would create this hell? Why is it that he would create something like this if he loves us so much? That was never created for you. It was created for the devil and all of his demons, but we, by our choice to reject his love, we send ourselves there. But this is not our father's heart. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I want to ask you, friends, and for those of you watching online, is there anyone here? You would say, Pastor Brandon, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I've judged myself and I know that I have fallen short of the righteous standard of God and I need the forgiveness and the grace and the sacrifice that Jesus paid for me on the cross. I need it. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus. Anyone here? Anyone here? Amen. For the sake of those that may be watching that gave their life to Christ, will everyone repeat this after me? Say, Jesus... I ask you to come into my life and become my Lord and my Savior. I confess that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I'm asking you to take control. I believe that you died, that you were buried, and that you rose again. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. If you gave your life to Christ and you're watching us online or in the metaverse, make sure to let us know that you gave your life to Christ so that we can send you some information about discipleship and baptism opportunities. Love you guys. Have a wonderful week. And remember to use right judgment, right judgment, right judgment as we live in this world. Be blessed.